with pushing things forward in, in baseball, it's like, okay, I got to try stuff to see what, I guess in a way, what I can and can't get away with. It's not about me trying to get away with something. It's just, okay, what niche can I fill that, that the fans really enjoy and that forces the behavior down the road that I would like to see? Um, and so when, when I get pushback, it's like, okay, this is, this is good because I've, I've failed to do it this time and now I can learn from this experience. From Front Office Sports, it's Office Hours, a show where we take you inside the minds of some of the most influential names in the sports industry to break down where things have been and where they are going. Before we get to today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Bitrix. New crypto traders have a wide range of options when it comes to selecting tokens, and the same is true for the trading platform they choose to operate on. There are many factors to consider when deciding on a platform, like token selection, trading features, and trade execution speed. But perhaps the most important is security. Bitrix stands above the competition as the most reliable trading platform and sets the standard for security and convenience in the crypto space. Its innovative solutions offer best-in-class asset protection without making compromises on trade, execution, or flexibility. As part of an industry that hinges on security and accountability, Bitrix is committed to protecting its customers in every part of their crypto trading journey. Bitrix respects its users' trust in the platform and rewards that trust with an ever-expanding list of features and functionalities designed to improve their experience. To learn more about our technology and why Bitrix is the superior choice for keeping your crypto secure, visit www.bitrix.com. Again, visit www.bitrix.com. That's B-I-T-T-R-E-X.com. I'm Adam White, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Cincinnati Reds pitcher Trevor Bauer. In August, Bauer set a Reds record of 41 strikeouts in just four starts. Dominating on the field, Bauer hopes to do the same off of it. As someone who has done things different his entire career, Bauer is bullish on the future of Momentum, the athlete-centric media company he founded in 2019, the positive steps being taken by the league and players on social media, and a new model he believes to be the future of how agents do business. As a Phoenix and Arizona native, actually, the funny thing is, is that you were some of those momentum videos was filmed in the park right before, right behind where my parents live, which I thought was interesting. But we'd love to have you just for one talk us through what the last few months have been. Uh, you know, pre-COVID, then the season gets shut down. Obviously, all the things you have going on with momentum, season starts back up. It's very different than most baseball players who probably don't have as much going on off the field. But what has that been like for you? Yeah, so the, the rough timeline is I went to spring training and we, we had a house with, uh, I think, five or six uh, full-time uh, members and then like four, four people that kind of came through and uh, helped out with the production that we had going on. But all the, all the people from Momentum were there and we had a lot going on in the garage and the whole house was set up as like a studio and stuff like that. So uh, that was pretty hectic. We filmed our show Bower Bites during that time. Obviously, in the morning, I was getting up, going to going to the field, doing baseball stuff. I'd get back home three to four o'clock in the afternoon, and then over the course of I think it was three and a half, four weeks of spring training, we filmed nine episodes. So basically, every third day, second or third day, I had a um, I had a a dinner with my friends around the league, and so I had to prep for that as to be the host and help set up and all that. So spring training was super hectic and then it got shut down. Um, so then we, we really couldn't film a whole lot more. We were, we were down there in the house, all of, uh, see all of, well, it shut down in March. So all of April and all of May and then filmed some live at bats, um, which we, which we put out, uh, which you're, you're referencing was at the park. Um, so that was 
that was fun. I found a way to kind of engage with some of the athletes that were in town and uh, trying to stay in shape. Um, just did a lot of business planning, a lot of organizational stuff, building out some systems and operational principles and, um, and all that, getting our, getting our operation kind of tuned up and running more smoothly. And then when they announced summer camp, um, you know, drove myself out to Cincinnati and ended up deciding to do the vlog, um, talked to my business partner, Tyke about it. So he had me start doing that. So that's been pretty fun uh, on the business side. And it's been fun going back and watching the episodes myself because I forget half the stuff that I document along the way. And so I, when I go back and watch them, I'm like, man, this really is a crazy time that we're in. Yeah. Uh, from the pro from the testing protocols to the travel restrictions to, you know, the having to wear a mask everywhere we go at the, at the field, no fans in the stands. It's been, it's been a crazy year so far. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's honestly seems like the perfect time to be vlogging through something like this, right? You'll never, you'll never see it again. So strike while the, uh, while the proverbial iron's hot, but you know, take us back to 2019 and, and wanting to launch momentum. Uh, obviously, you know, you're a big presence on social media, outspoken on Twitter and, you know, good or bad depending on whose whose perspective you're you're asking for but um you know what was the the desire obviously we see this whole transition of athletes becoming business people or investors for you why momentum why a content business well i think that content's super important if you look at the direction things are going um it's all going towards video content that's it dominates the internet all the the watch time page views all this different stuff that's kind of the digital currency uh right now so I think it's important for athletes to be able to control their own narrative and, and get their message out. But when they do it via their social media, as if they happen to be in a small market or they haven't built up the platform, they don't have the opportunity to reach a, a broader baseball audience and really control their narrative. And so a lot of these, uh, a lot of these athletes are known based on what the media has written about them, not what they've put forth to their fans. Um, and then in 2018 at the all-star game, Rob Manfred had a quote about, you know, wanting to market players more, but the players needing to engage and actually want to be marketed. I think it was centered around Mike Trout saying that, you know, Mike would need to engage more to be able to be marketed. And I just don't think that that's, I didn't think that that was thinking about player marketing the, the right way. There's some other entities out there that, that do different, that, that try to go down different avenues and, and get the same thing accomplished. So Really, when I started talking about it um, after the All-Star Game in 2018 with Taiki, my business partner and best friend, um, we really decided that it, in order for athletes to connect with the fans, uh, which ultimately is what you need to be marketable, you have to have people that want to hear what you're, you're, what you're up to, what you use, what uh, you know, have interest in your life. In order to, to create that, you had to connect on, on the human level. You had to have some way for the, the fans to identify with the players like, Hey, I wear the same shoes. Hey, I eat the same cereal. I, I play the same video games. I shop at the same store, stuff like that. Because young fans, especially look up at big leaguers and like, wow, they're these superstars. And that, that's true, but we're also human at the same time. So uh, we, we kind of didn't see anyone else out there in the baseball space specifically. Uh, no one was really focusing on baseball. Tyke played baseball as well uh, all the way through college and I met him through driveline. So He's a big baseball guy. Obviously, I am as well. And we wanted to help kind of, I guess, generate some interest with the young fans and help baseball kind of come into the new age of, 
of digital marketing and stuff. So that's really what we're what we're looking to do is uh, give fans an inside look into players' lives and what they do, and film the players and, and work with the players doing things that they enjoy doing. Uh, we're not asking them to go do a big shoot or uh, come to the studio or, or anything like that. It's it's all centered around the the baseball lifestyle and showing that off um, with the individual personalities to the fans. What has it been like, you know, in the locker room, uh, coming and starting this and, and guys knowing that you're doing this, you being very active on social, has it become like them asking, hey, how do you do it? How, how should I do it? What's the approach? How do I work with you? How, how has that changed? Yeah, there's been a, a wide range of reactions to it. You have some players are like, nope, don't like cameras. I don't want to be on. Don't, don't use it around me. That's perfectly fine. You have some players on the other end of it, they're like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I want to start doing something like this. Do you have any resources? Can I connect with someone who's, who's editing for you? And they've been, they've been very interested. And then you have everybody in between. Um, when it first started off, people weren't, didn't really know what was going on. They didn't say a whole lot, at least to me. Perhaps they did, you know, behind the scenes. Now players are a lot more comfortable with it being around. So if they don't want to be on, like, hey, turn the camera off. I want to ask you a question. Okay, that's fine. Or like, they'll start stealing my camera and hiding it or, you know, I'm still waiting for a player to, to take the camera and start actually vlogging himself uh, instead of me. I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but everyone's kind of gotten comfortable with it and with what they're comfortable with. And, you know, we respect that. I, I review all the, all the vlogs before they come out as well as, you know, clear it with all the players that are featured um, to make sure that they're cool with the content. That's one of our company policies at Momentum. You know, we, we want to promote the athletes and, um, paint them in, in the light that they want to be painted in. And so we, we don't release content um, unless the athlete themselves has had a chance to review it and, and approve it. What's the reaction been like from an organization standpoint? You know, some may see it as a, a distraction. Some may see it as, oh, this is a really good thing because now the, the Reds brand or, you know, name XYZ team's brand is all over the place. How, is, how has that been? And, and have, have there been more people embracing it now, probably for sure, just because content is all you got? But um, what's that kind of evolution been there too? Yeah, I think it's really dependent on the organization itself. I'm sure there are some organizations that would be not very interested in it. Um, I know that a lot of the shots that I've been able to get with Cincinnati, there's no way I would have been able to do that in, uh, in Cleveland. They, you know, the, the organizational policies and stuff vary pretty drastically from team to team. Um, the Reds have been great. They've been super open to it. Uh, they've asked that I follow certain certain things like, you know, don't put these people at this part of the day or whatever on, on camera. And that's more than fine. I abide by that rule. Um, but they've, they've been open to it. They love it. They love the fact that, you know, it's kind of uh, documenting the, the season in a unique way for, for a unique season. And, and some of the comments that I've gotten actually from the, um, the clubhouse staff and uh, some of the staff with the Reds that, you know, aren't on the field, they aren't coaches, um, that they've been, really excited to watch them because they can point to their family and say, Hey, look, this is like, this is what I do. This is my life. This is the hotel we were staying at. This is, you know, this is the locker room. These are the facilities that I use. And this is kind of like, yeah, he's a player, but he's going through all the same daily movements that I'm going through. So got some really good feedback on it. Um, the players, uh, some of them, they watch it and they laugh about it and they talk about the editing and the, all the different stuff. So um, it's been, it's been good that the Reds have, have definitely embraced it. Um, the organization as a whole is, is really big on allowing people to be themselves and creating an environment that fosters individuality. And um, they've, they've certainly done that with, with this project. 
How do you think it's changed it at the at the major league level too, from a social standpoint? Obviously, that was a big sticking point the last couple of years, and you've led the charge there. But from you know just an implementation standpoint, even just what you're seeing this year, uh, do you think it's trending in the in the right direction or a direction that you think is going to be positive? It's certainly trending in the right direction. I think that you know with every year that passes, uh, MLB gets a better handle on what the young crowd wants. Um, unfortunately, given how large MLB is as an organization, uh, it just doesn't move as quickly as a, as a startup can or as a smaller organization can. So uh, as mo- with Momentum, we're trying to push that forward. We're trying to uh, encourage players to, to be themselves. I think one example, one recent example of that is Tatis Jr. hitting a, a grand slam and then coming out and apologizing for, for breaking an unwritten rule. And it's this big thing, right? Uh, I think slam was great, by the way. It was awesome. It was, I mean, that's what fans tune in. They want to see the best players do the best things. And that was one of those moments. And then, you know, coming out and apologizing for having personality. I mean, he didn't even bat flip or anything like that. It wasn't even egregious. Um, but we want to encourage players to do that more. Uh, and the more that players are encouraged to do it, the more that players see some of the bigger stars in the game doing it. Um, you know, Alex Bregman was one of the, was one of the first ones to, to do it. Uh, with his YouTube channel, obviously Momentum's doing it. Tim Anderson has done some stuff with his YouTube channel. Obviously, he's um, you know known for the kind of the bat flips and and saying we want to make baseball fun again. Bryce Harper started it with you know a couple of years back with the make baseball fun again thing. So there's there's enough players around that are you know kind of pushing it, and the more that we can encourage that collective group to continue pushing it forward, then the more you're going to get people like Nick Heath, who is a minor leaguer, but uh, comes out to live at bats and feels comfortable on camera and like, you know, talking crap to the big leaguers. And th- that's good. You know, that's, that's good for baseball. It's good for the sport. It's good for the young personalities and their brands and all that. So um, it's getting there and MLB is starting to follow along. I know they've done some, some mic'd up stuff with Pete Alonzo this year, which I think is great, you know, trying to help produce uh, you know, content for his YouTube channel. They have their, um, they're, I don't even know what the series is called, but they have athletes in street clothes playing Jenga and playing, you know, answering questions and stuff like that. It's a step in the right direction. Um, it's a small step, but uh, any step in the right direction right now is, is a positive, and, and we're really trying to help bring in new content ideas and, and show off new, uh, new ways of displaying the personalities in a positive way. Do you ever see a, a momentum Major League Baseball official tie-up besides some sort of, you know, besides being credentialed to, to do content? Is there some sort of collaboration potentially in the works? Obviously, uh, you've had your, your public spats with, with different people at Major League Baseball. So what, uh, what do you kind of think there about the future of the, of the two entities? You know, I'm certainly open to it. Um, it's something that we, it's not really in our plans. It's not something we're, we're chasing actively. I think that, um, you know, players some players anyway are weary of, you know, doing content with MLB, giving them the content and then having them profit off of it and the players don't get any. That's kind of a, that's something that some players are, are worried about. Other players are not. They they look at it and say, yeah, the more I can be on MLB network or the more I can do content with them, the, the more exposure I'm going to get. And they look at it that way. But I think having separate entities and uh, separate networks and stuff like that, separate voices as, as companies go. So you have momentum, you have, uh, companies like uh, Players Tribune, and uh, then you have MLB Network, and you have you know the the team side of it, and and all that. I think having those different avenues and keeping them separate is is best because it gives each athlete a a distribution platform a, that fits what their concerns are, or what their goals are. Um, you know, certainly someone who's who's looking to 
<laughs> to, to write an article would go, you know, maybe to Players Tribune or someone who's looking to do something funny off the field may come to Momentum and someone who's looking for, you know, to be on commercials and see, you know, like a, the commercials MLB Network runs throughout the year it may go to the MLB shoot in, in spring training. So having a bunch of different options uh, is good. And I'd like to keep them separate, but I'm certainly open to doing uh, any sort of collaborations that make sense for both sides. Ultimately, it's like, you know, any sort of partnership like that is, you know, it has to work for both sides and it has to be beneficial for both sides. It's like building a team, you know, you have to create rules that work for everybody, but allow each of the players to function in their own specific way. So a lot of the, a lot of my business, uh, I guess, operating principles come from being a part of a clubhouse and um, understanding how, how you have to put a team together and how it works. Yeah, we've seen a lot of these uh, player-led or you know player-backed, former player-backed media companies come, go, have various levels of success. Some flame out, some you know get a lot of venture backing. What's what do you guys see for momentum? I know you're you've self-funded up to this point. Um, you know, kind of how what does that trajectory look like for you guys? And and you know, making sure it's it's a company that's around versus one of these you know player-led media companies that flames out. Yeah, I think it uh, it starts with a, a niche, and the the vast majority of companies fail because they are underfunded or they don't focus small enough um, to begin with. And so we're focusing on a very small niche um, of baseball right now. Uh, hopefully, to expand to you know more of a widespread baseball audience. Um, but it's something that I would like to self fund. Uh, we. I think we have, let's see, one, two, three, four. We have five or six people at the company. I can't do the math right now off the top of my head, but we're fairly small. That's the point of saying that. And uh, we like to keep it that way. A lot of people do a lot of, a lot of extra hours, a lot of extra work that, uh, that makes it possible. But it's something that we, we're certainly open to raising venture capital at some point, but right now it's, it's the part where we're still experimenting. We're learning about our audience. We're trying to figure out what the fans – you know, connect with and, and what makes sense to produce. Um, it's a, it's an experiment. You know, you come up with a hypothesis. We think fans will like this. Okay. Well, how are we going to test that? Well, we have to produce something and see if they like it. So we produce that thing. We do it for a very low cost at much less quality than we could. Uh, and we put it out and then fans like it or they don't. And we say, okay, they like this part of it, but they don't like that part. Let's change and do this. Let's, so we, we're still in the learning process of what our audience is really going to like. Once we dial in on, on exactly what the audience likes to see, then we can start figuring out how to you know, build a completely sustainable, self-funded uh, business and how to scale it and, and all that stuff. But uh, right now, it's the experimentation phase. That's sometimes the funnest stage, most fun stage, yeah. honestly. You get to, there's not a lot of strings attached, and, and you don't have too many stakeholders involved where you can be like, oh, I'll, I'll try this and I'll try that. and be able to kind of do the way things your way but um, you know switching gears a little bit obviously there's another big conversation around athletes and it's in, in the college space right with the NIL and I know you were someone who was at UCLA um, you know and but not playing you know football at UCLA obviously baseball but baseball is a powerhouse at UCLA how would have something like momentum or even just the NIL opportunities and content opportunities either changed the way you did things in college, changed your approach in college, or is going to change what people are going to do in college from both a content standpoint and then just also like a, a social standpoint? I mean, for me, I probably would have been able to do something to pay off my $5,000 of parking tickets that I accrued while I was there. Uh, uh, <laughs> you guys didn't get free parking? 
No, we did in one lot, but my apartment or my dorm was at the very top of a hill and class was all the way down the hill and up another hill on the other end of campus. And then our field is off campus. So, you know, we had to choose, do I want to park by class or do I want to park by my dorm? And then you couldn't park both places. And so I just parked both places and ended up getting a ton of tickets. So have you got your diploma yet or or what? Did you end up paying that off? (laughs) No, no, I I paid them off when I signed. (laughs) That's a a good, that's a good thing to pay off when you sign. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, I think it's going to be good for athletes. I, I, I probably would have been able to do some sort of, um, you know, I don't know. I wasn't super big on social back then, so probably not on the social side of things, but maybe some sort of autograph signing or, uh, you know, camp or something like that. I, I'm not sure how it would have changed for me, but now with, with social media being really a, a mainstay, a staple of, of society, um, kids grow up, have, you know, the kids that are in college now grew up having used Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and all these different things. They, they, they understand the platform and what people want. Uh, and I think it's going to be, a good way for them to start building their brand. You know, they, we have a, we have a partnership with a, a company called open doors and Blake played in college. And, and this is really his, his big push is like, Hey, you have a couple years in college. And if you're very, very lucky, you get some years in pro sports to build a platform. The vast majority of college athletes don't get to go play pro. Uh, so you have to maximize those three years, four years that you're on campus to, to make use of the fact that you should have a platform. You're a college athlete. A lot of people know you. Um, And so uh, the biggest thing I see is the education side of it, like really teaching those athletes from the time they step on campus. This is how to do it in a productive way. This is who you are. This is how to decide what you want your brand to be. And this is how to build it. Uh, And then giving them resources to do that because those are the people that really need it the most is the people who don't go play pro. You know, I don't, I don't need to have a brand. I make plenty of money on the field. Everybody in the big leagues makes plenty of money on the field. Now I want to have a brand because I want to do other things outside of baseball and all that. But most, most people never get the chance to monetize their career and all their hard work. Uh, and so building that platform so that you can jump into something else afterwards that you're, what's going to end up being your career and jump in with a name and a voice and stuff like that. It, it opens up so many doors. Um, and I think that's really where the, the focus should be. And I think that you're going to start seeing a lot of cool stuff come out of uh, the college uh, programs. You know, the, it's going to be a recruiting tool. Hey, come to our school. We have these programs to, to blow you up on social and uh, to you know, help build your brand and stuff like that. So I think it's a, it's, it's a much needed uh, change. I'm glad the NCAA is finally going to allow it. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of cool stuff coming for, for college athletes. You mentioned there's a, a lot of things you want to do outside of the field. What, what are some of those things? Oh, man, I, I, I really want to change the landscape for players in, in baseball specifically. I think, uh, man, one of the curses of, of me, of being me, is my, my brain works in, in a problem-solving way. So I just I see problems nonstop. I see inefficiencies. I see it in my training. I see it in the market. I see it in operations. I see it in, you know, team culture. Like I, I just, I focus on the, the inefficiencies and sometimes that's tough from an athletic standpoint because I can't, I can't focus on the good stuff that I do. I just see the stuff that I didn't do well. Um, but in business, I see a lot of inefficiencies in for, for players right now from uh, the branding side and, and maximizing the platforms, which is what we've been talking about, but also, you know, the, the representation side, um, you know, player representation has been done the same way for 40 or 50 years now. And I think there's a better way to do that. And um, from the, the training side of things, I think, and, and health, um, you know, players right now are subject to whatever team that they're, that they're on. 
uh, and whatever resources that team provides them, they get them while they're there. And then as soon as they're traded or they no longer play for that team or whatever, they don't get the resources other places. So I see, I see a lot of these things. So it's, it's representation, it's branding, uh, marketing, it's, you know, building, it's building a, a voice and a platform. It's, it's training and health. So I want to, I want to have a, a large enough platform. I want to have a voice that I can actually affect some of those changes, uh, in the industry that I, that I care about. Um, most, which is, which is baseball. So business and, and seeing a better landscape for players is, is where my focus is. You, you mentioned about the representation side of things. You, you, you know, I think you kind of walked the walk there because you're the only major league baseball player with a, a woman as, as your primary agent. Um, you know, talk us through that and kind of how that plays into the potential future of, of representation, as you mentioned, or, or doing things differently from that side. Yeah. So Rachel is, uh, Rachel Luba is my agent. She's, uh, I mean, my best friend from college, I met her at, at UCLA. Um, we've been close ever since. And, you know, over the course of her, you know, she wanted to be in baseball and, and didn't know really what her route was going to be. Knew she wanted to be an agent, but didn't know if she should, you know, work in another agency or jump into law school or whatever the case is. So she went to law school. She's a, she's an attorney. She worked at the PA. She got a ton of experience doing arbitration. She's consulted with multiple different agencies and all this different stuff. So she has a ton of experience very early on. And the way she does it is she charges hourly for her services. And I think that that's important today because some athletes want uh, the full service. And I guess for the, for the people do, that don't understand how agencies work, uh, typically you pay four or 5% of your uh, on-field earnings of your contract uh, for a full service agency. So they're supposed to negotiate your contract for you and they're supposed to help with uh, marketing and branding and you know, business development and uh, financial services and all this different stuff. And what ends up happening is they have a lot of players uh, that are there and the players don't often get the amount of custom services that they, that they want, or a player doesn't want any of those custom services, but still plays, pays the same fee. So the way Rachel does it is she breaks everything up into like kind of like an all cart mod model. If you want just your contract, well, you pay for the hours that it takes to negotiate your contract. And so if I'm really good on the field and I go earn myself a lot of money based on my performance on the field, I still pay Rachel for the work that she does for me. If she does more work for me, if I ask more from her, then she gets paid more. Uh, if I just want her to negotiate my contract and it's a 10 hour negotiation, then she gets paid for 10 hours of work. But that allows me to save money on the contract side so I can go invest it in the things that I really want. So if I want financial services, then I can, I can pay for financial services, either from Rachel or for anybody else on the free market. Um, if I want branding, if I want to you know, have a marketing person or, or branding help, I can go pay for that because I'm not paying all that to one entity that may or may not be providing the best, you know, the best service. So that's kind of, that's kind of the future of, of what I see. Uh, everything now for athletes is, is hyper customized. You know, you have training programs that are built specifically for you. You have nutrition programs built specifically for you. You have scouting reports built specifically for you. You have all this different stuff. Uh, but representation has not been, has not traditionally been that way, at least in baseball. So that's something that I'm hoping to see change, at least offer a second option for athletes who, who might feel that they're, you know, not getting the best from their current setup. I'm sure it's like, even when you were coming out, right, as third overall pick, you were probably pitched by every single one of those agencies. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that was an interesting process. I was pitched by some of them. There was three or four of them that were, uh, the, that I decided between. Um, and what I noticed is they all, they're all really good people. You know, they all really want to help players. They all offer pretty much the same service. And so it's a, it's a, a question of who you feel most comfortable with personally. 
I felt that all four of them that I interviewed with, I thought could do the job for me. Um, you know, especially for a college kid, you don't know everything about the industry anyway. So it's very hard to determine who's going to do the best job. And a lot of that is jockeying based on, oh, I signed this contract for this player and I did, you know, this amount of money for players last year and, and whatever the case is. But if a player doesn't care specifically or primarily about money, then it's very hard to tell who, who can do the, the job on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so Rachel came in and, and decided to, to offer something completely different. And if you look at business strategy, a lot of times, you know, competition kills, uh, kills profit for, for companies. Um, the best state to be in is a monopoly state, but the only way you can get there is you offer something completely different. Uh, and, you know, I guess in the tech sector, they talk about an order of magnitude larger or greater, better than what's currently out there. And so Rachel decided that being a female, she was going to have trouble getting into the industry anyway, because that's what everybody, every guy in the industry told her, oh, well, you're a girl and it's going to be tough and you'll never make it. Have you considered doing marketing? Uh, so she decided to, that she's going to have a, an uphill battle, you know, climbing that ladder. And so she decided to offer something that's completely different than, than anything else that exists. And so it sets her up in a position where she has a lot of growth potential and um, can actually, you know, operate in the marketplace doing something differently that, that um, she wouldn't be able to operate in had she gone the traditional route. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. You know, you hear the, you hear the same taglines and the same uh, kind of pitches from, from a bunch of different companies. And it just, to me, that the, the alarm bells went off. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, there's, there's just nothing, nothing really customizable here. So you see more players going the route that you're going or starting to, to move that way? Uh, I definitely see that um, becoming more of a thing, yes. I think that uh, – I don't think it'll ever – I don't think the, the percentage model will ever go away. Um, I, I do think that players can you know, have a, a more customized representation approach, and that's something that I hope you – know, I hope Rachel's able to be successful and, and, and grow her business so that players have that, that option. It's, it's certainly something that I'm – intrigued by and obviously as, as I'm, you know, represented by Rachel and, and hopefully more players kind of come to understand um, why that could be beneficial for them. Yeah, no, it makes sense. How is, uh, how has it been balancing everything? Obviously in a, in a non COVID world, probably a little bit different in a COVID world, even more different, but going between someone who's running a, you know, six, seven, eight person company to someone who's leading the league in ERA and, and back and forth, has it honestly even been having that thing and, and having the business side of everything? Has it been better for baseball? Worse? Helped you? How, how has that all been for you? So like I said, my mind focuses on inefficiencies, uh, and so when I didn't have anything going on off the field, I just zeroed in nonstop on the inefficiencies in my training program, in my on-field performance, in my everything like that. And it drove, it drove me crazy. I, I was thinking about baseball nonstop, and uh, it, 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 was, it was hurting me. Um, so having business, having something to, to occupy myself with um, off, the, off the field to take my mind off baseball has been super helpful. Now I can swing the opposite way too, where I just, I won't sleep at night cause I'm doing business. I'm like, Oh, I, I only got to work for two hours today because of baseball. I need to get this done. And I'll, so I've had to kind of reel that in and make sure that I, I really am keeping uh, baseball first. And so my day, I, you know, I use Google calendar and it's just like by the 15 minute mark. Um, but I make sure that I block off, you know, enough time to sleep and that I block off plenty of time to get all my baseball stuff done 
And then in the in-between time, the four or five other hours that I might have during the day when some players may watch a show at night to, to fall asleep or maybe they're playing video games or they, they go on a run in the morning and walk around town. Like I, my, my hobby, what I do is I sit down and I do business. Um, so it's been, it's been beneficial having something that I'm doing that takes my mind off of baseball and, and it hasn't, it hasn't affected the on-field stuff because I've made sure that's, that's my first priority is baseball. So I've made sure it hasn't crept into, into that. How has it been, and and just you know, kind of in, in closing, just kind of not balancing everything, but going from someone who's who's looking out, for, like just being someone who's at the forefront of trying to look out for what's next in the game and trying to push the game forward, and getting pushback at the same time from either traditionalists or people who are you know who are in the, the league office, right? You're you're all, you're leading the league in MLB. You're trying to you're leading the league in, in the ERA. You're trying to lead the league forward in social and digital thinking, but you know you're getting pushback as well. So like, how do you how do you even kind of try to compartmentalize all of that too at the same time? It's, it's probably you know not easy. Yeah, there's there's two things on that. One, I've been going through it my entire life, and I'll talk about that in a second. But two failure is your biggest learning opportunity. And so, you know, like I mentioned earlier with, with momentum, you know, we're in the learning stage right now where we have to, we have to produce something to see what the audience likes um, it, with, with pushing things forward in, in baseball. It's like, okay, I got to try stuff to see what, I guess in a way what I can and can't get away with. It's not about me trying to get away with something. It's just, okay, what niche can I fill that, that the fans really enjoy and that forces the behavior down the road that I would like to see. Um, and so when, when I get pushback, it's like, okay, this is, this is good because I've, I've failed to do it this time and now I can learn from this experience. What am I getting pushback about? How can I change my strategy so that I can still accomplish what I'm trying to push out there but not get the pushback? Or is it going to be something where I just have to push through it? And that's something that kind of comes back to my, my life uh, history. I, I've always faced that. Like I, it started in... Uh, my freshman year of high school really with baseball stuff is like I started training a different way and my high school coach did not like it and threatened to kick me off the team for it multiple times and all that. But my dad has, has raised me my whole life um, to think for myself and to, to question authority in a respectful way and to get, you know, get answers. And if someone can't explain something to you uh, in a way that makes sense, like, you know, don't, don't do it, do something that makes sense for you. And, um, so I've, I've found ways my entire life to kind of end up in this situation where I'm trying to do something and I'm getting pushback and I've had to make that decision. I've had to handle the pushback and decide, okay, is it something I should stop doing? Is it constructive criticism that I need to change my approach or is it something like this pushback doesn't make sense and I'll continue along my way. And so I've gotten, I have 20 years, 15, 20 years of experience handling that. So it just, I don't even notice it anymore. Um, it's just like, it, it kicks in the feedback loop. Okay. I did something. There's the pushback. Let me, is the, is the pushback valid? How can I change my strategy? Okay. Iterate, try it again. And like, that's just how my mind works. I don't notice that it's doing it. To finish, sorry, to finish this up, um, what do you coming out of this? Obviously it's been a tumultuous time for baseball, for, for life. What for specifically for baseball, obviously there's been some different innovations, some different things tried. What do you hope stays or what do you hope that you're seeing sticks around uh, and you think is going to be an additive to the game? Oh man. On the, on the social side, on the, the branding side or on the training side, any, or, any side, social side, branding side, video side, miking up people. Yep. 
Yeah, okay. So I, I do think that uh, candid audio is of the athletes is so is so important. Um, and I hope that that stays, whether it's, you know, mic'd up during games or it's, you know, mic'd up in the dugout or during batting practice or whatever else. Audio is one of the biggest things because it allows fans to hear how the players talk and get a sense of their sense of humor, their likes and their dislikes, their – you know, whatever. So the, the more players can be heard talking, uh, especially amongst each other, um, I, I really hope that stays. I, I think that stuff off the field, especially in the off season, just documenting what players are doing is, is super intriguing to fans. Uh, I think that's, there's a ton of opportunity there because, excuse me, because you don't have the demands of in-season baseball. Uh, so, taking fans behind the scenes in the off season when there is no on-field stuff going on allows fans to get a much more intimate sense of who the, who this person is. So on, on that side, on the content side, I hope it's, it's audio and I hope it's off season, you know, like, like the vlog that I'm doing right now, I, th- I hope it's off season kind of vlogs and, and behind the scenes stuff. There's certainly other things that I think that I would love to, to have stick around, but those are the two that I think are the lowest hanging fruit that, uh, that should definitely stick around. Um, I hope that, you know, obviously I hope that Rachel's uh, agency model sticks around. Uh, there's some stuff that I'm building from an analytics side and a, and a health monitoring side uh, that, I, that I hope will stick around. I'm not really ready to, to talk about that too publicly yet, but um, there's, there's a bunch of stuff in the works. Is that a second business outside of Momentum? I have, uh, yes, I have two other, uh, two other businesses besides Momentum that I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. There. Awesome. Well, look, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and, and spending more than the 15-minute increments with us. Uh, and, yeah, looking forward to following what else you do and uh, seeing what else comes up, whether it's uh, Joe Kelly cleats or more content. Who knows? <laughs> I'm always thinking of something, so there'll be plenty, plenty to talk about. I love it. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you do, Make sure to take a screenshot of the rating slash review and share it on social media to get some front office sports swag. We'll see you next time.